Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello and welcome to the Truth and Liberty Livecast. My name is Mark Cowart, sitting in for Andrew Womack tonight. We have a, an awesome guest, former Congressman Bob McEwen. And uh, I tell you, he is one of my favorite public speakers. Uh, he takes, in my opinion, the complex and makes it simple. It's true. And uh, Richard, uh, we'll give him a more proper introduction in just a moment. I do want to say thank you for joining us, Congressman McEwen. We're looking forward to being with you tonight and all that you have to share with us. Thank you. And before we get to you, Richard, you've got some announcements, housekeeping yes, items, so we'll give that to you. All right. Thanks, Mark. It's great to have Congressman McEwen with us, and I'm looking forward to the show. really am. And thank you to all of you who are watching tonight. Uh, be sure to message your friends and family and let them know this is one they need to tune into. I promise you that. Uh, Bob never fails to bring us unique insights into the, what's going on in our country. And, and listen, uh, if you're watching tonight on uh, any platform other than our website, you really need to jump over and watch directly on truthandliberty.net. That's going to give you your most uh, reliable viewing experience. Um, and while you're there, check out our resources page. Did you know we have hundreds of links on our research center on truthandliberty.net? All of it is designed to equip you uh, to be able to stand for truth in the public square. Some of our latest resources I wanted to mention, Heritage, the Heritage Foundation's Election Integrity Scorecard. We've got a link on there for you on that where you could see where does your state stand in terms of having full and fair elections, accurate election results. My Faith Votes Voter Hub that Jason Yates has prepared. It is an excellent resource. You can find your ballot. You can find out who your, your representatives are and uh, what the election deadlines is, register to vote and other things like that. A very practical resource this time of year. And then also Standing With You. Um, Students for Life has a new program out called Standing With You where the post-row world. They are wanting to come alongside uh, women who are facing unplanned pregnancies and provide them with resources, love, compassion, and support that they need to be able to help uh, that child prosper. And so uh, check that out if you're interested in being a part of the solution and not just complaining about the problem. Hey, here at Andrew Womack Ministries, we've got some great events coming up. Just around the corner, October 3rd through the 7th, I think that's next week, is the annual Ministers Conference. It's a, a, one of the greatest events of the year out here. If you're in ministry, you really need to consider coming to this. Uh, Andrew's going to be ministering along with Billy Epperhart, uh, uh, Bob Yandian, Dwayne Sheriff, and Greg Moore. Um, you'll, you'll be sure to get recharged, refired, refreshed uh, as you fellowship with other ministers and, uh, and receive uh, the Word of God. Also, Women Arise, November 3rd through the 5th. Uh, speakers are going to be Terry Savelle Foy, Audrey Mack, one of my favorites, and Carrie Pickett, also an amazing speaker. Uh, you can register at AWMI. Uh, dot net slash events. Um, 
Are you a subscriber to Truth and Liberty? If you're not, I really encourage you to do that. I know we all get tons of emails in our inboxes, but this one I promise you is well worth it <laughs> as we give you the resources that you need uh, that will keep you informed, up to date, and equipped. And if you subscribe today, first of all, just go to the website, truthandliberty.net, upper right-hand corner, click subscribe, share your email with us, and we'll put your name in the hat, and you'll be eligible to receive this week's free product giveaway. Last week, we gave away uh, one of my favorites of Andrews, which is called Financial Stewardship. And this week we're giving away Christian philosophy. This says everyone has a philosophy. It's a lens through which they view the world and make decisions. Andrew goes through all kinds of contemporary issues in this book, including abortion, evolution, uh, socialism, welfare, other things like that, and provides a scriptural uh, perspective on those. So uh, become a subscriber to Truth and Liberty today, and you'll be able to receive that. Um, and also, if uh, this is a live show, uh, right, uh, interactive process, we want to hear from you guys. Send your comments and questions on the chat function or if you're on Facebook in the comment section, and we'll do our best to get to those. And then also, um, we're doing stuff here at Truth and Liberty that we really don't can't talk about public. I mean, we can. We choose not to do a lot of it because we don't want the uh, opposition to see where we're coming from until, uh, until it's too late. But if you want to be a, a part of helping us change the culture for Christ and and uh, uh, stand up for Christ in the, in the public square. You can do that uh, through your finances. And we thank our generous partners and members. But you can become a member today. Just go to our donate page on truthandliberty.net. Click donate. Sign up to make a recurring automatic contribution of $5 or more per month. And you'll be a Truth and Liberty member. And we'll send you the Declaration of Independence, Constitution of the United States, and Andrew's own Declaration of Dependence upon God and His Holy Bible. And uh, that'll be a nice pocket resource for you. Did you know that's banned reading in our public many public schools today. So we need to get the word out. The Constitution is still the law of the land. And uh, anyway, become a member today and you'll be eligible to receive that. Last, Mark, I wanted to mention um, for our new members that we're a 501c4 organization, so that's not tax deductible. If you want a tax credit for your gift, you can do it by giving to the Truth and Liberty Foundation at uh, truthandliberty.foundation, truthandliberty.foundation, and that is tax deductible. And then last, if you need prayer tonight, uh, we have an entire room full of spirit-filled, Word of God trained prayer ministers standing by to uh, join their faith with yours so that you can receive God's miracle in your life. Just call 719-635-1111 and someone will agree with you in prayer. That's all awesome. I've got. A lot of great things going on, Richard. Yes, sir. I am excited. Uh, Congressman Bob McEwen is with us. He's a great friend of this ministry. And uh, good gracious, he's been on Truth and Liberty, spoken at ministry events, practical government school. And so, Congressman, it is great to have you. Welcome to Truth and Liberty tonight. Well, thank you. The honor certainly is mine. The delight to be with both uh, you, Mark, and Richard. And uh, I understand there might be a little bit of a delay, and so I'll try not to talk over you, but to let you know that how honored I am to be with you tonight. Well, it's great to have you. And, you know, I've got a lot I could read off about your background. Uh, you've served as congressman for Ohio. And although you are no longer serving as congressman, you're certainly serving our country. And uh, tell us a little bit about what is going on in your world. I know you serve as the executive director for Council for National Policy. There's a whole lot of other things that you do. Just give us a little bit of a an update on what's going on in your life and in your world. Well, thank you. And it certainly is an exciting time uh, to talk a little bit about the Council for National Policy. 
it was an outgrowth of a time when the uh, there was a lack of a, a support from the <clears throat> the establishment when Mr. Reagan was running. And so they decided to get together the leaders of the conservative organizations, and they would meet three times a year in order to help him accomplish his goal. I uh, was one of the members of Congress. They have a limit of 400 members and was invited to join and, and, and uh, have been there ever since and had a great time. About 10 years ago, uh, we took it over, and what we do is is that we have all the legs of the stool. We have, we have the spiritual part, we have the economic part, we have the political part, and our national defenses. And we bring the leaders together in order to... And so this past week, we met in Dallas and celebrated the victory. There were four major Supreme Court decisions that were uh, led by members of CMP that the Supreme Court supported. Of course, one of those was the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Uh, Roe v. Wade, as you recall, was an invention. It was a creation. Our rights don't come from five to four decisions. Our rights don't come from politicians. Our rights in America come from God. And so these folks that felt that they were like God, uh, they wanted to make a new right, and that was the right to take innocent life. Now, that doesn't fit any place in our Constitution. Therefore, there was going to be chaos. And uh, there came a time until because of the proper appointments to the Supreme Court by support for a, the proper president of the United States, uh, they said that no longer is that a right. It's up to the people to decide. And so now, rather than just having this ethereal women's rights, now people must explain. I wish to kill a baby at age 12 weeks or at 15 weeks. And that means that the people will have a say. And that's what America was all about. And also there was the idea of prayer. Uh, as you saw, Justice Ken or, uh, Coach Kennedy uh, was not allowed to pray with his team up in Bremerton School District in Washington State, and so they fired him. This this Marine that uh, at the end of a football game, he would take a knee. Now, if he were taking a knee for Mao or for, uh, for global security of some sort, they, he would have been honored. But he took a quiet knee by himself to thank God for the safety of the of the uh, players in the game. And for that, they fired him. And so it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court wrote a 56-page decision. Six pages said that there's no way that you can tell a man that he cannot quietly worship God. That's in the Constitution. It's, our, it's the First Amendment that you have the right to do that. They said, however, this idea that these all of these courts are saying that you can't have Christ in Christmas in a public gathering, or you can't have a, have a senior preach uh, at, at their graduation. That is based on a decision of 1971 called the Lyman decision. And that Lyman decision was wrongly decided, and we hereby overturn it. And with that, there are tens of thousands of decisions that were overturned by that because of who we chose to be president of the United States, to put a proper justice on the Supreme Court, to go back to the law and say, that you, it, our Constitution will be supreme and not the, the radical uh, leftists on the Supreme Court during the 70s and 80s. So we uh, celebrated that this past week. There's much, much that we can be excited about as the, uh, the body of Christ and those who love America are getting increasingly involved for the first time in a long time. And it's, it's very exciting to, 
to be a part of. Amen. You know, Bob, hearing you say that, it's a reminder. We are seeing some victories. And one thing I appreciate about you every time I hear you speak, you understand our founding principles. Um, I think one of the things you may be more well known for is politics easy as pie. You take the complex, you make it simple. And uh, one thing I've run into, that people's hope is running a little thin at different places around the country. Can you tell us that there is hope for this country and, you know, the fact you just cited those victories, those are major victories. Can you give us some good reports and uh, maybe some hopeful news? <laughs> Mark, Mark there, there, is, there is so much. And uh, all of this has to be put in context. First of all, we must recognize that God governs in the affairs of men. And so there was a time when, when the, those that have controlled the, the uh, uh, Latin America, the Philippines, King, King Philip, they, uh, they say, said that they wanted to shut down Britain. And that was where, where the Anglican Church was. And they had the, the, the Spanish Armada. And uh, the British were not able to defend themselves. The English were, but God came along, took that Spanish Armada, slammed it up against the the rocks in the coast of Scotland sunk 66 ships, over 20,000 sailors, and King Philip. And from that, had, there, had that not happened, had that not happened, there would have been no Anglican church, which means there would have been no Puritans. Had there been no Puritans, there would have been no pilgrims. If there had been no pilgrims, there would have been no Mayflower Compact. Had there been no Mayflower Compact, there would have been no America. So we can go through time after time throughout history where God has, has exerted himself. And uh, I, I look at the 1930s when communism was on the march, when Nazism was sweeping across Europe, and America had chosen that it was not going to get involved. And it, in 1941, when it was attacked at Pearl Harbor, we had the 17th largest army in the world, smaller than Romania. And uh, we just com completed maneuvers in, in Louisiana using cardboard tanks and wooden guns. And that's why the Japanese said that they felt they could attack us. Well, uh, at that point, uh, you had reason to be distressed and disappointed. 1941, nothing. 1942, 1943. Finally, in 1944, we landed at D-Day and began to march and began to lose thousands and thousands of soldiers. Now, if you had your nose buried in the, in the in the picture right at this moment and you couldn't back off and see what was going on, then you could say, isn't this terrible where we are? But if you had the perception as to what was happening, you could say, oh, but we're a fourth the way to Berlin. We're halfway to Berlin. We're three-fourths the way to Berlin. We're making progress. I could use example after example throughout history. Let's do that right now. And that is that, that the first time that a school board said, that a boy could shower with a girl was in, if he felt like he was a female that day, was the, was the Fort Worth School District in, in uh, Fort Worth, Texas in 2017, just five years ago. And the man that, that made that proposal on that school district got, got less than 1,200 votes in a school district with over 800,000 people and 93,000 students. And there are churches just up and down the streets with 10, 15, 20,000 members. And he got only 1,200 and was able to do that. Well, four weeks ago, today is Monday, four weeks ago tomorrow, the seven major school districts in, 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 uh, in Florida 
were tremendously overturned in the elections because finally people have begun to wake up. And they woke up in, in Virginia and chose a new governor and new leadership was, began to repeal many of the things the previous governor had said that you could take innocent life even after it was born. And, and that born alive amendment, when it passed, the governor, who was a doctor, went on the floor of the House of Delegates in Richmond, Virginia, walked up and down the halls, high-fiving the candidate, chose to do that. That was just about 18 months ago, or two years ago. And now they have a governor that stood on the steps of the Capitol just a few weeks ago to be sworn in. And he held hands with his lieutenant governor and held hands with the attorney general. And each one of them prayed in the name of Jesus. Now, the fact is that, that there's many the, the people, the body of Christ is beginning to wake up, uh, in my opinion, a little bit late. But nevertheless, <laughs> uh, there is much good to take place. And I think that when we've seen what has happened to America, its, its defenses, if we saw in Afghanistan what's happening at the gas pump, we're happening in our education, we're happening in California, happening at the border. The people are going to go to the polls in just a few more days, and they're going to elect a Congress that's going to put a stop to all of that. And I'm very excited about it, and I think we have reason to be optimistic. Remember, the, one, of the, one of the definitions of Satan is he's the accuser of the brethren. That is, he comes up and he points to your failures. And he drives into you. And the Apostle Paul said, now, when you're in this battle, do not become weary in well-doing. Now, he, he had reason to, 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 to understand that. Every time he spoke, people beat him to a pulp, three times left him for dead. He'd have, he had reason to get weary. And yet he said, don't become weary in well-doing. And we, in this, we're not like George Washington coming up with an idea that nobody had ever done before. We can look over our shoulder and see that this nation is the lighthouse for the gospel. 85 cents out of every dollar that goes for global evangelism comes from this, the, the standard for righteousness in the world. It's been entrusted to us. And uh, as we saw with the parable of the talents, that when you don't use the talent that got and the opportunity that God gave to you, he doesn't respond well. <laughs> he said, you worthless servant, be, be cast away. That's what he happens to people that want to sit on their hands and not do anything. And so I see an awakening taking place across the board. And I repeat, I have never been more excited or optimistic than I am at this moment. Wow. Man, Bob, uh, I'd like to say that's good preaching right there. <laughs> I, th I think, Richard, if we gave the benediction, we could go home yeah. and we're all blessed. Take the offering. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. Bob, everybody, I think across the nation, liberal and conservative, uh, except for maybe the extremely wealthy, are um, get pretty concerned about inflation right now. And uh, I'm, I'm curious if you could just share, just as a matter of education, uh, what is the cause of excessive inflation? And then just comment for us on um, a little bit about free enterprise too. I'd like to hear your perspective on that in a nutshell. I know you could talk for hours on it, but this seems to be a lost knowledge on the younger generation today as to why, what is free enterprise and why is it important? I, I don't like the word capitalism, by the way. I think that that's playing on their turf. I think free enterprise is a much better label for what we have in America. But can you comment on those things for us? Well, R Richard, all of this uh, was, Hitler, or uh, Churchill was asked one time, how does one prepare for leadership? He said, study history, study history, study history. For in it, you will find all of the secrets of statecraft. In other words, we've been through mm. all this before. Mm. Now, inflation, countries have been destroyed by inflation. 
And that's immediately what happened in Venezuela. It's what happened all across the board. You see it all the time. It's how Hitler came to power in the 1930s. You and I saw it under Jimmy Carter. And that is that he took over when the economy inflation was less than 4%. By the time he left, it was 18. Interest rates were 22. And those of us lived through it. Ronald Reagan came in and fixed it. And now we see ourselves back in the same soup all over again. I was speaking to a group of college students the other day, and we went through all the similarities. When I uh, was a youngster, they told us we were running out of natural gas. And so we had to pass emergency legislation because uh, America was going to run out next Tuesday a week. Well, we know as we sit here at this moment, it's been 40-some years. Right now, as we sit, we know that we have more natural gas than any place on the planet, mm. an estimated two to 400-year supply. And yet the state legislature in California has passed a law that you cannot build a home in Los Angeles using natural gas because these people do it. It's how they do. So that's why I say as a lead-up, to inflation. Inflation is not complicated. Inflation works simply like this. Let us suppose that everything in the world is an apple. That's all there is. That's all you can buy or sell. And all the money in the world is $1. That means that that apple can sell for only $1. Can't sell for any more than that because there isn't any. Good salesman would make sure he didn't sell for less. Let us suppose that next year you have another apple. Now you have two apples and you have only $1. That means the most they can sell for is 50 cents. And so what you do is you create another dollar, you write another dollar. What is, what is money mm. is a representation of a contribution made elsewhere. It is a faith and confidence in it represents what else has been done. So you represent another apple by making another dollar. Now you have two apples and two dollars and you have stable prices. I was just stop and pause here so we don't lose ourselves. If you had one dollar and one dollar, now you have two apples and two dollars. Now, as long as the money supply increases at the same rate as the increase in production, the number of apples, you have stable prices. If you print more money than you have growth in apples, you print two. Now you have three dollars going after two apples. That means the apples can now go for a dollar ten. They can go for a dollar twenty. They can go dollar thirty five. They can go for a dollar fifty and then they go for a dollar sixty and people can't can't pay it because there aren't $3.20, there's only three, and so they, they, they draw back, and there is a recession. Now, that's the way that it works. Now, also, you need to increase the money supplies. Now, if you have two apples and only $1, and that means that prices are going to fall. So it's not complicated. It just takes discipline. That is, you only allow to increase the money supply as the rate of growth in the economy. And so when, when Joe Biden came, came into the White House, the first thing they did was spend trillions of dollars. That means that they printed trillions of dollars and there's no increase in production. And anybody who knows anything about, about economics knows the consequence of this is that 18 months, two years from now, prices are going to continue to soar in a thing called inflation. Now, by, and let's just be abundantly clear here. You and I cannot create inflation. Uh, the the grocery store cannot create inflation for the politician that stands and yells at the street corner and says that the, that the the gas station is creating inflation they can't do it the the prices because the value of the dollar has been diminished and they they have to get the same amount of return so blaming higher prices because of inflation is like saying that wet streets cause rain Rain causes the wet streets. 
in, in, increased money supply creates the inflation. And we chose people who chose to do that, and now we're paying the consequences, and quite frankly, it doesn't go away that rapidly. It, you, when, when you pull a stunt like this, when, when, you, when you have your big party, the next morning, you're going to feel it. And uh, we're just barely, we haven't started to correct it yet. It's still continuing to climb. And uh, hopefully we'll, uh, the, the, we'll get a new Congress that will quit spending like drunken sailors and that we can uh, renege. But the, the, the value of the dollar right now, the, the money that a person had, it, it now takes over $1,000 more for a family to live at the same level they lived just two years ago when Donald Trump left office. Let me say that again. In order to be able to purchase the same things, you have to have an income of over $6,000 more than you had two years ago. Most of us do not have that. Therefore, we feel the tightening that's taking place. Wow. Um, that, that's uh, sobering, isn't it? it so is do you have any, any thoughts about how long it will take to get it under control, even um, if Republicans win the election? It's, and, and, and I'm so glad you asked that, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> two ways to fix it. Number one is you got to quit printing money. That is, you stop spending money you don't have. And, and then eventually it would go away. But as Ronald, as Ronald Reagan did, he cut taxes. Now, when you tax something, you get less of that thing. So if you tax savings, investment, productivity, or growth, if I put a tax of $5 on those red cups, people would not buy those red cups that you have sitting there on the table. <clears throat> when you tax something, you get less of that thing. And when you tax savings, investment, productivity, and growth in America, they don't build jobs here. They go to someplace else. So when you cut taxes, that encourages people to create. And let me just give you an example. They, in the final three months of Donald Trump's first year in office, they went to zero tax on capital expenditures. And so in that 90 days, there were more truck cabs that were ordered during those 90 days when you didn't have to pay the extra tax because they had the extra money than had been in the previous three years combined. So when you lower the taxes on production, you get increased production. So how, how fast will it go away? If you, if you and I were president and in the Congress, we could fix this thing in a year. But uh, it's going to take a good two and a half to three years because we need to increase the production to bring those two back into balance. What we've done is everybody's had the time off. We've had COVID. Everybody stay in their basement. And we've increased the money supply. So now it has to work through the system. And and so you see that the, the Federal Reserve is cutting back on the money supply, increasing the interest rates. And, and also the way that it could be improved is if you had members of Congress who were willing to cut some production and put people back to work again so that we didn't buy foreign cars, we bought American cars once again. We need to go, we need to set up a Bob McEwen school. No kidding. And, and we could all go there. I'm telling <laughs> you, I love the way you make it so simple. <laughs> well, it, it, it isn't complicated. And, and it's what Thomas Jefferson kept talking about why he was so afraid of the loss of the agrarian base that when people you take any any eight-year-old girl any 10-year-old kid on, that has a 4-h product and they'll tell you how to raise a hog what the price is to, to go in and what the price is at the end they understand all this it's only when you have a, a bartender from new york city that went to boston college and she comes back and she's uh, uh, aoc is going to explain to us how 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 socialism is better now remember what is socialism socialism doesn't create anything socialism just takes from somebody else and gives it to another now that, the reason that is horrible is because the person that grew the product the person that built the barn 
when somebody comes in and steals it from them, they don't do that anymore. And for the person that they give it to, you get a vote in the short run. But then the person says, well, why should I work if they're going to give it to me? And so the degree to which you have socialism is the degree to which you have poverty. And as you have a great deal of increased socialism in New York City, you can see you can drive around America and you can see it. Or you can go land in a country and you can tell because socialism creates poverty. As Richard talked about free enterprise, under free enterprise, the only way I get money is I have to do something good for someone. I have to cut their hair, I have to wash their car, I have to mow their lawn, I have to build them a garage. When I do those things, people voluntarily reach in their pocket and give me money. That way, everybody benefits. The person gets the new garage, the other people gets the money. That, that's what free enterprise, that's what America is. That's why this little 4% of the population of the world produces over a third of all the goods and services on the entire planet. It's not because we're smarter or work harder, it's because we're free. And as these socialists come in to steal from the productive and give to the unproductive, then they turn a great, beautiful city like Detroit into what it is today, Los Angeles into what it is today. New York City was the safest city in the world just 10 years ago, or whatever, 12 years ago. Right? And, and de Blasio came in there and immediately said, we're not going to attack people for defecating on the sidewalk. We're not going to arrest people for jumping the turnstiles. Therefore, every thug can jump on the subway and sleep there for 24 hours a day. Now people don't want to ride the subways. They don't want to go to work. And, in, and they un, he undid in 10 years what Giuliani and the others had done in 20. So it only works this way every time. That, but there's no reason to be, to be afraid of it because we know how to fix it. With the right people voting the right way, with the right leadership, it can be fixed very, very rapidly. Well, Bob, uh, I, I, we're going to take some questions in a little while, but I wanted to give you a chance to talk about what we were discussing before we came on the air. And uh, it kind of relates back into something that's really on my mind a lot, which is the politicization of the FBI and the federal law enforcement agencies. But I, I want to start with just asking you about the January 6th events and how the left has attempted to use that as a leverage point and a divider in our culture and, and the injustice that seems to be happening as a result of that. Can you comment on that? What are your views about what really happened on January 6th? Well, let, let me just say that, that if you tell the truth, it, it, people are offended by it. Uh, certain the error is offended by it. Let's let's just walk through that a second. Mm -hmm. And th that is, uh, I can see the room there is 35 feet wide. Somebody else says it's 25. Somebody else says it's 50. And we can just have all write their white papers and sit around the the college faculty lounge and we can just talk about it and we go on and on. Everything is great until somebody comes and measures it. And when they measure it, that measurement is truth. Everything else is just opinion. Mm -hmm. But here's the sad part. Here's what's the frustrating part that truth reveals error. And so while you were saying it was 35 feet, and I would say it was 25, and somebody else was 40, and we were just lecturing away, when some little girl walks in and measures it and says it's 17, everybody in the room knows that what we said was wrong. Therefore, error hates truth. And so that we won't shut down each other, we'll shut down the truth that reveals the error. So who gets shut down on, on Twitter? Who gets shut down on Facebook? You can predict you can tell precisely as to who they're going to do. And that's number one. Number two is the reason they hate truth is because truth overcomes error. Mm -hmm. See, when you present truth, the error is revealed and, and it collapses. I use the example of the fellow that's being prosecuted for stealing an ATM machine. And so uh, in the trial, the defense counsel gets up and 
she says why he wouldn't do such a thing, why he loves his mother, and he was off in Portland having dinner with his sister, and here's the receipts from the restaurant. You, you don't care what she says, because when she's finished, you're going to show a security camera of him driving his pickup up to the, up to the uh, ATM. You'll see him put his chain around the ATM. You'll see on the ATM, it has the picture right there. It looks at your face. It sees his face as he leans over the ATM, his fingerprints as he grabs a hold of him. And that truth is so overwhelming that the only way she can succeed is to prevent the presentation of truth. Your Honor, I object. I object. Mm. I object. Because if the truth is prevented, truth overcomes error. Well, we know who truth is. And that is that I, I can go to a to a, an agro and I can pray in the name of Mother Earth and uh, eagle feathers and, and, and nobody cares. But if you pray in the name of Jesus Christ, all hell breaks loose. Why? Because I am the truth. Now, therefore, error, Satan recognizes truth. And so if you and I begin to tell truth, I can say, oh, I think it was lightning and I think that I think that uh, I, any, any sort, I can just read the New York Times, every story they come up with. But if you actually get to the truth, brother, they'll shut, the, uh, Facebook will shut you down. And so that's why we have to be cautious about how that we reveal, and that is that uh, the, the, I served on the Intelligence Committee, and I know how the Intelligence Network works. And there's a thing called a PSYOP, and that's where they, they create a situation in which they get a crowd to operate in a certain way, and they accomplish what they want to accomplish, whether it be overthrowing a government or, or whether it be assassinating a leader. Uh, that's what those do. If you see those wonderful God-fearing folks that were waving the American flag, and then you saw certain people saying, this way, this way, come this way, march, we must go in, we must go in, break, and they started to break in two places. Now, I, I had some friends at our home recently, and they were describing it to me because I, of course, was there. And so I know the situation. I, my office is only 1,800 feet from the Capitol. And so I, there were only two windows that were, that were broken. And yet, because of constantly playing it on the TV, it looks as though the entire place was destroyed. And uh, it, it, they did it for the purpose of saying, then they wanted to blame it on, on Mr. Trump. Well, the trouble was that all of that took place before he started to speak because he was an hour late, which is unusual for him. And then, of course, the one that, that I think just is, is the spoiler, that uh, hopefully when we get a new team in Congress, that they begin to call him. Senator Cruz had the, had the head of the FBI there the other day and began to ask how many FBI operatives were operating in and around the Capitol on January 6th. Well, well, Senator, I can't tell you that. Yeah, well, on and on, and they wouldn't answer the question. Well, we're going to have to come to the time where these people who are trying to, to distort our system to answer for what they did and how it was done. And we need to, we need to know, as I, as I said, the, uh, the, the idea that a photographer got all the way into the, got into the uh, speaker's house and into her, her office. She had to go through five levels of security to get there. And they had a Getty photograph that went out nationwide, not nationwide, international on the Getty system. For those that are aware, the Associated Press and Getty are the ones that put these on online and then newspapers all around the world pick them up. The, 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 how did that Getty photographer get there to have this fellow sit in her desk and put his feet up on the desk? And it went out all over the world before Trump had barely begun to speak. That There had to be some coordination going on or that couldn't have taken place. And that's what the people need to see. And why was it done? In order to create this chant that somehow or another Donald Trump was responsible for what they did. And when the truth is exposed, 
I believe that there will be it will be very beneficial to our country because uh, Mr. Uh, that laptop that they that 51 intelligence operatives. Let me just pause with that for a second. Hmm. That 51 intelligence operatives signed a, a letter that was put in newspapers all over America saying that that the the laptop that Hunter Biden had left behind now they're exposed now they're in trouble contracts were written by the same law firm as the head of the FBI he was in that law firm at that time when they were when they were, were doing that they uh, they said this was an act of Russia and uh, well we're going to see it wasn't Russia at all and is that will be beneficial to our country politics is is always in turmoil and that's why we have the greatest system in the world because we have the the openness that people can see what they do and the opportunity to correct it. And uh, this is a time for all good men to come to the aid of their country. This is a time to be alert. And as I, I, I cannot help but say, I know what they're up to. I know what they did. And uh, I, I like to see that the Confederate flag, for example, in all of those marches, you never saw any Confederate flag anywhere. But if you go on the internet and you go to Wikipedia and you go to January 6th, all you see is a fella, and I know right where that picture was taken, that Getty picture, they, where they had to stand in order to get a shot of a fella carrying a Confederate flag through the Capitol. Well, I'm going to tell you, I believe the person that, that did that was part of a plan in order to present an, an image that was totally foreign to what actually took place. That is my strong personal opinion, and I hope that uh, whoever, the, who, whoever the dictators are that are afraid of truth, they, they won't... Uh, affect uh, truth and liberty for, for my personal opinion in a country that I believe can and should continue to be free. Wow. Well, that's pretty sobering, uh, Bob. I, you had mentioned, I think, before the live cast, another fact that I just want to tease out of you, and that is has to do with the doors on the mall side of the Capitol being opened. Can you comment on that? The, the, the doors on the mall side, uh, my wife uh, gives tours regularly. And throughout, I, of course, uh, worked there for many years. And uh, back in the days before they had such a thing as magnetometers, uh, the Capitol was open 24 hours a day all the time. But it never, ever have I ever seen those those doors ever unlocked. They, that, the, 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 that back porch there it was, is never, never used or opened. And yet on January 6th, they were all open and people were motioned to come in. It's just one of the many examples of what, how this had to be coordinated. The, uh, the fellow that you saw with the big horns. And all. Let me just explain. See, when the president goes someplace, they know who is a threat to the president, and they begin to, to track those people. They watch the, their, their Facebook and their communications. You remember that when John Kennedy was going to, to Dallas, they interviewed Lee Harvey Oswald's wife. Now, why did they do that? They did it in order to let him know that they knew that they had suspicions of it in order to, to protect the president. They, they move in two to three days in advance. They have facial recognition cameras. They know everybody coming up and down the street. They watch it 24 hours a day. They see who goes to work, where and when. Does someone leave something in a mailbox or somewhere in order to protect the president? They know who these people are. Now, one of these crazy folks that came dressed up in, in his crazy garb came from, from, from Arizona. And he told the folks, he said, I got, a tele, I got a, an email from Donald Trump asking me to come. Well, you know what? I actually believe that. I believe that he got an email signed by Donald Trump asking for him to come to the Capitol and to wear his outfit. What he doesn't know is that Donald Trump 
is a 76-year-old man who has never had an email account in his life. He's never sent one email in his entire life. But, that, but someone sent that to him to come to the Capitol dressed in that manner, and he was allowed to go in and get all the pictures that we've all seen of him with, with his horns and, and all the rest. That is called a psyop. It doesn't happen by accident. And I, I, I think that I, the thing about there's power in truth. And, and when, you, when you're wrong and you're lying, then you have to shut people down all the time. So you have to put together a, a, a January 6th committee, but you can't let anybody on the committee that doesn't think the way you think. Because if truth gets out, then you're going to be exposed. And that's why it's essential for everyone that we know to make sure that they show up on Election Day and that they, chose, they vote for the party that's the opposite of those who control the House, the Senate, and the presidency at this moment because they are destroying our defenses, they're destroying our finances, and they're destroying our schools and our integrity. And, and, and it's only allowed to happen because half of all the evangelicals in America are not registered to vote, and half of those who are registered to vote do not vote. And as you remember, uh, the, we are the sovereigns. The, the Lord holds, holds the leader accountable throughout Scripture, and we are the sovereigns. We will stand before him, not because of what somebody else did, we are the ones that choose the leadership. Government works for us, not we don't work for them. And we will give account for what we say. And at this critical moment, it's for us to go to our knees, to follow his leadership, and to do what is right for our country. And I'm actually, they say, I believe it's going to happen. And I'm excited about it because they, they have to lie. They have to prevent people from speaking. We don't. All we have to do is expose it. We don't have to make artificial committees and, and, and decide who comes to speak and doesn't speak and, and take snippets of things and take little pieces out of it. The Jim Jordan, the congressman in my district next to me, which they took his emails and took out parts of it and put it in the Washington Times or put it in the, in the New York Times. Uh, they, that, that's the kind of games you have to play when you're wrong. When you're right, you just sit back and let the truth speak. Wow. Wow. Richard, uh, do we have any questions? I, first, Bob, thank you for making things so plain. You just you break it down so simply, and I'm curious, Richard, if we got some questions coming in for the congressman. Yes, we uh, we absolutely do. Um, here's a guest who's asking, um, Bob, whether woke culture has infiltrated the military and is it weakening our our readiness? Um, do you have any information about uh, yeah. that? Very severe manner, but uh, the, the reason all of these things, you say, well, Bob, how can you be optimistic? But quite frankly, I've known about all of these things. I've known that our schools were being corrupted. I know that our children were, were being, being, being taught uh, ungodly things. And so now, as people begin to see it, now it can begin to fix it. Well, it began under, under Clinton, continued under, under Bush and, and Obama, in which, in order to, to get a star, that is, in order to be a general or a, an admiral, you have to go through the war college. In the war college, every one of them have to go there and they analyze you. And they, you take these various courses. And, and beginning with Clinton and now for the last 30 years, if you were godly, if you were married, if you were patriotic, if you were the backbone of America and from Nebraska, then the, you got an X. You didn't get a star. The star, that, the person that got promoted past Colonel was the person who was woke. That is the person who would sit there as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in a time in which China is, is surrounding us economically, militarily, and politically, and sit there and say the most important thing that America faces is, is, is male or white supremacy. Now, that is what Chairman Milley said. 
Now, you be 18 bricks short of a full load in order to think that that's the greatest threat to America. And, and so what happens when you get a situation like that? You know, I, I, if I had a, a former governor when I was in the state legislature in Ohio, he used to always say, that man's so dumb he'd screw up a two-car funeral. And, and but what, what, what is a two-car funeral? You have, you have the hearse and you have the family car. There's only two. Well, Afghanistan was a two-car funeral. You either take out the troops and leave the people, or you take out the people first and then bring the troops. This is not complicated. This is, you have to be so dumb that you would screw up a two-car funeral to get this backwards, and yet 12 stars, 12 stars, a four-star Secretary Austin, a four-star Secretary uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs Milley, a four-star uh, General McKenzie of Southcom. Those 12 stars couldn't figure out which one to take out first and in the manner uh, which they performed. Now, how did that happen? How did that happen? Because we got woke generals and poor, George, or poor Donald Trump, who's our age, who remembers Ronald Reagan and others. When, when you look to those people that swore allegiance to the flag and you looked up to him and honored him, he had no idea the hallowing out that now those folks have come to the fore. Now, what we need is a president that understands it and I'm, I can't think of anything, anyone better that Donald Trump sees what happened and begin to clean out the war college and do away with, uh, with preserving America's freedom and defense. And, of course, that means you have to reinstitute the fact that, that, uh, uh, that God is the basis of all of this, the chapel that, which they, they closed down some years ago, and then they, they, they tried to expel a naval, a, a, an Air Force cadet that quoted... Dwight Eisenhower, he had on the little on the little chalkboard in his room that there are no atheists in foxholes. Dwight Eisenhower, and they told him that he either take it down or he would be demoted. That that's the kind of people that are in control now. And of course, as you saw the other day, they had a new program with the Air Force Academy, and and it had if you were transgender and if you're all these various things. And I I made the observation. It, it, what, what they just say, if you're a heterosexual man, do not apply, because everything else they wanted to cover. And so the answer to the question is, is our military taken over by wokeness? Yes, it has. Why is it? Because you you and I know people who voted to do that, and it's time that we correct it. And, I, and as it exposes itself, I think America's going to put a stop to it, hopefully before America is challenged militarily. Mm, yeah. Wow. So... Um... Here's a uh, viewer, Robert, who's asking about election integrity, Bob, and what do you think about getting rid of voting machines and going back to paper ballots? Um, what, what is the solution to return our elections to a place where we can have confidence in the outcome? Well, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head right there. You know, th again, this isn't overly complicated. Uh, people have done this for thousands of years. We ought to be able to do it in 2022 or 2024. But uh, one of the things that the State Department has, it has a series of five things that, in which they certify an election internationally. And number one is, did they stop counting? And whenever uh, Mr. Mugabe says, oh, by the way, we're not going to count those ballots till Wednesday, immediately everyone understands there's something going on. Mm -hmm. And the entire world is watching. We used to be able to count our ballots. Yep. We always counted our ballots. But on election night in 2020, we had to take off. And while everybody's looking and knowing that Pennsylvania is the key and Donald Trump is up by nearly a million votes, lo and behold, what happens in Philadelphia? But they quit counting. Now, that is the same thing in, in Detroit and in 
and in uh, Milwaukee. And when they come back a few hours later, there's a whole different count going on. Now, how do you, how do you prevent that from happening? Well, I I think that uh, we just go back to the to the the simple that is that we have election day. We don't have election six months. We don't have election uh, quarters. We have a day. We go back to election day and that we mark a ballot. And if we don't, uh, if we do those two things, I think we could restore integrity very rapidly. But short of that, uh, we are on very dangerous territory. Bob, I just want to personally comment. I uh, I remember that, of course, as everybody does, election night, 2020, and and when they stopped, they announced on. I think I was watching Fox, and they announced that uh, counting was going to be suspended and would be resumed in the morning. I thought to myself, what in the world is going on? This never happens. You stay up until the counting is done, and it doesn't matter whether it's three or four a.m. or six a.m., but you don't stop. How is it that the press at that moment did not begin to say something? Now, I can understand the CNN and the New York Times and those folks, but Fox, and it just seemed like everybody was led right down the path uh, of, of whatever deception was going on is question number one. And question number two is, how do you, how do you get something so vast and so large uh, put together? It seems, I think a lot of people have a problem with that because it's such a vast, uh, should I, I don't want to use the C word, but you know, how do you do that? Well, uh, it, it really only had to be five. And so just one person, just one, one person, uh, the, the, uh, what, what's the fellow that has Facebook? Uh, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. But they just, just, he gave over 500 million. Now you stop and think about that for a second. Uh, you know, the most expensive, Nixon had the most expensive, he had a $40 million campaign. Uh, uh, Romney was the first president candidate in history to break a, a, a billion. Here's this one man wrote a check for over 500 million and gave it to selected precincts in the five key states. Now, there are others that did that as well, which they spent millions and millions of dollars in order to make sure that they manufactured the votes. They had, they had all of those nursing homes in, in Wisconsin that had a 100% voting record, every person. Some of them were comatose, some of them were incapacitated, and yet they all supposedly all voted voted perfectly. And, uh, and so it, it, you had to get those five states to do it, and then you had have an agreement. And of course, Fox uh, agreed that they were gonna be a part of the, create the momentum that somehow or another uh, Bush, uh, that uh, Trump was defeated. And so they, they printed on the New York Times uh, over and over the last few days that that in Wisconsin, uh, Biden was 17 points ahead. Well, of course, we all know that that uh, come election night, Trump was winning, and they had to come up with 400,000 votes in the middle of the morning in order for him to barely win at all, uh, in order for Biden to barely win at all. So there was no 17 points. So all of that is an agreement of the newspapers and, and the media to create the, the, the momentum. And of course, then they agreed with Fox that Fox was supposed to, to make the decision to announce Arizona and everybody else was going to wait because they they felt that if they announced it early that they people wouldn't believe them that people had faith in Fox and so if, if Fox did it even before the polls were uh, barely begun to count that people put faith in it and of course everybody erupted and when well, there's been a great deal of exposure about all that so it it's uh, we know we know how it works it, they use COVID as the cover to do it uh, it's very possible they'll try to have another disease come out in the final weeks before the election again, they'll find some excuse to uh, ignore the law, and uh, it's it, it was it it is a dangerous time. That's why we have to always be alert. 
but uh, like I say, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a quitter. I, I'm not going to let them steal our greatest nation in the history of mankind. We're going to get in there and, and fight for it. Amen. Wow. All right. Well, that's uh, that's phenomenal. Okay. So, um, let's see here. How do how do we begin to reestablish? Um, the, the question here is from Linda on uh, how do we establish a free press? I'm going to say a, an independent press. It seemed like that in, in America there used to be sort of an ethos among uh, reporters, you know, that they were, even they may have their views and they might be a little bit biased, but they knew that their role was essential to the republic and weren't going to let politicians get away with it. What, what do you think uh, needs to be done as far as the media goes in America? Well, the only solution to any of that is competition. And uh, I know that Donald Trump was very distressed, but uh, had to leave the White House, and, and they, they froze his Twitter account and froze his Facebook account and things. But as a result of that, we now have, have this increasing growing alternatives, and that is the only way it's going to work. You know, if you watch uh, Scarborough on, on uh, MSNBC, he says things that are just so totally, totally false. I mean, they're not even close to being the truth. And, and what they do is that they study those things as to what people react to, and they, and they see what, what the support is, and they say, you see, look, people really like that. Now, tomorrow, let's go back and say that again. It doesn't have anything to do with what's right or wrong. And so what you're saying is that there, there are people that were of integrity, and uh, the, the, the folks in integrity have been severely diminished. The, the, the Marxists, the anti-Americans, began to, to get into the colleges and uh, just like all through Latin, where they, you say, how could you believe that stuff? Well, they did it there and, and we were always safe here. Well, our colleges now have been overtaken by folks that are not teaching the truth. And so we have college graduates that are coming out in journalism that think it's their role to undo the country and rather than run for office. But I know we're running out of time. I wanna say, make it abundantly clear to both of you what an honor it is to, to be with you in the great ministry that, that you and Andrew provide uh, for all of us that in answer to the question is what do you where do you do for truth you look for it and 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 you, you don't need to have you don't need to have everybody do it uh, one one person telling the truth reveals the error for everybody else well you know Bob tonight I've been encouraged by your viewpoints and how you take things and encapsulate them and make them simple. And you know, one of the things that, uh, about the truth and error thing that you shared that really encouraged me, uh, one of the things that we have to remember that God is with us. We're not on this, we're not in this battle by ourselves. We are one nation under God. And I was thinking, Richard, I heard uh, someone say once that patience is the weapon that forces deception to reveal itself. And the scripture tells us to run the race with patience. And I don't know about you, sometimes my prayers are, Lord, if you would, please answer that immediately, if not sooner, and we'll, <laughs> things would be just fine. And so anyway, thank you, Bob, for sharing with us. And more importantly, thank you for still continuing to fight the good fight. You know, uh, a lot of guys could be off on their favorite golf course and just kind of do the retirement thing. But uh, from what I'm seeing, you've done anything but that. You're still very much engaged. Any closing comments for encouragement to the people to stay the course tonight before we close? Absolutely. I, I, I've spoken at every Ukrainian prayer presidential prayer breakfast since it was formed eight years ago. 
Uh, all over the world, people are praying for Americans to make the right decision. When we make the wrong decision, they have to pay the price. And so that is resting upon us, number one. Number two is do not allow yourself to get discouraged. The Apostle Paul, he said, I fought the good fight. I have finished the course. He finished. The place was a wreck. Everything was falling apart. But he had done what God had called him to do. Now, that's all you and I are called to do. You get your eyes looking around, and you, you start looking at the water, you're looking at the sea, you're going to mess this thing up. Christ, when he was on the cross, everybody has left him. What did he say? It is finished. Why? Because he had done what God had called him. We are called to be faithful and not allow ourselves to get discouraged or negative because we're going to win this thing. Thank you both. Well said, and thank you so much. It's a little bit later out there on your part of the coast where you're at, and we appreciate you taking the time to be with us. I tell you, Richard, I've been encouraged tonight. Yeah, absolutely. It's been very encouraging. And, you know, you wrote an article, and I, I told our church on Sunday that they need to read this article, and uh, everybody that subscribes to Truth and Liberty or just go to the website, you wrote this article, The Most Dangerous and deceptive speech ever given by a resident. <laughs> and uh, and uh, basically, it's very alarming, Richard, but I'm encouraged. I know that, uh, you know, God's never intimidated by circumstances, whether it's a Red Sea, whether it's a Jericho, whether it's Gideon being outnumbered. Yeah. And Bob, you've refreshed us tonight. Uh, you've yeah. given us, you know, what Churchill said about study history, study history. Boy, it's his story. History is his story. And the Lord is with us. So thank you for joining us tonight, Bob. And I want to I want to thank our listening audience. Make sure to go to Truth and Liberty, our website. Check out the many resources. I hope you don't just, I mean, we're glad you tune in, but there is so much material available. Become a partner. And you know what, Richard? Even if there's no tax deduction on the C4 side, God yeah. keeps track of stuff. Absolutely. And uh, take advantage of these resources. And also, we want to thank uh, CTN. CTN. They yeah. carry us and uh, share these broadcasts with people. This is the truth, truth and liberty, yeah. that needs to get out so that people can understand what's really going on. You know, if you stare at that negative stuff and listen to it long enough, It'll depress you. Yeah, it will. But uh, there's so many good things, as Congressman McEwen was telling us tonight. I think our best days are ahead, and I think we're set up for an incredible comeback. So thanks for joining us on the broadcast tonight. Make sure to go to the website, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at this same time next week. Blessings to you all. Good night. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net 